What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Hunting season is upon us, or at least really close. Here in Idaho, we're about two weeks away from uh, a few tags opening, or at least some that I've been uh, that I've had my eyes on. Uh, I'm super excited. A buddy and I have been out uh, getting boots on the ground the past couple of weeks and months or so, picking some spots and getting a feel for uh, hopefully a pretty good piece of land. Uh, that being said, if you haven't yet, now's the time to look at Everly Stock. Uh, they manufacture high quality hunting packs and clothings, uh, clothings, clothing. Uh, I use one of their mainframes and a 2500 vapor series pack, and it's more than enough uh, to hump around with water and lunch or snacks or whatever, a tripod if needed, and uh, cinch, it, cinch it down nice and neat and tight. Uh, while I'm out hiking, uh, the Salmon River pants too are, uh, are my go-to. I recently got a pair. Um, Actually, I think it was maybe this last winter, and they're honestly my go-to. Uh, they fit super great. They're super breathable, extremely durable. Uh, they haven't torn or snagged on me yet. Um, so that being said, too, when the sun goes down and uh, you need some food, Mountain Primal is there to catch you when you're down, uh, particularly uh, if you uh, haven't gotten anything just yet and uh, can't cook up some fresh meat. So uh, they raise Highland cattle out in Colorado and produce some of the best damn meat ever. It's 100% organic steaks. Um, I frequently mow down on their meat sticks uh, since uh, they're all natural, like I said. Uh, but they're the perfect size uh, to keep in my pack, up on the mountain, uh, in my pickup, and really just keep me getting hangry uh, when I'm out moving around and uh, the morning's chorizo has uh, stopped fueling my bod. Uh, but before we jump into today's episode, which naturally goes in hand, hand in hand with uh, hunting, is uh, we're going to take a minute. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, taking just a second, a minute or so to like, subscribe, and review the show or leave it a rating because you guys have no idea how much that means to me. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to all of my listeners for tuning in because you guys have just made this show what it is. And I love you and I appreciate it. And it's those little things that keep me going. Um, that, say, that said, too, uh, if you like what I'm doing, if you like where the show's going, what it's doing, and want to help kick me forward and help give back, uh, take a look at the Patreon page. Uh, there are several different tiers with a few different offerings, uh, all of which 50% uh, of the proceeds uh, will get donated back into the community um, or whatever organization that you guys decide on. So I've got it set up so that there will be um, some polling options for you to determine who we donate to in a particular month. Uh, this month for August, um, is it August and September, we've got uh, a couple predetermined ones just to get it going. So please go take a look, set it up, get set up with Patreon, and uh, let, let, let's, do, let's do some really good things because I'm really excited and this is something that means a lot to me. Uh, but moving into today's episode, I'm super freaking excited because Mr. Scott Reekers from Eastman's Hunting Journal has hopped on. Uh, and he hopped on a couple of weeks ago uh, to record and share a story, which I, I firmly believe captures the heart and essence of uh, the goal of the podcast in terms of turning something you love into a career, all while making uh, meaningful waves in others' lives. So let's get after it. Enough chit-chat, no more dilly-dally. Let's just hop right in. You guys have a great day. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. My name is Austin Jardine, and for those of you new to the show, this podcast focuses on telling stories, spending time with people, uh, understanding who they are, doing what they love, all in the under un all in the effort of understanding how they got to where they're at. Hopefully, motivating you in some way, shape, or form to chase after what you love, or potentially find a community to join in on. With me today is someone I've been looking forward to chatting with for several weeks now. We've been chatting off to the side here and there, and uh, I'd be a bit shocked if you haven't seen his name in an article or video somewhere around the web on uh, on your favorite hunting site. And that would be Mr. Scott Reekers of Eastman's Hunting Journal. So Scott, man, I'm super excited. How are you bright and early this morning? And I'm doing well. I uh, I skipped the gym this morning. The newborn uh, got up a couple times and you know, of course, when I'm about to leave town, the swamp cooler started acting up. So, you know, that made it a little tough to get to the gym and get my uh, get my my creative flowing and thinking going. But, man, I'm here and ready to go. You're dragging your feet a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, but that's all right. I needed the sleep. Sometimes sleep's more important than getting to the gym. 
I agree. I agree. I was me last week. Last week I was burning the candle on both ends and I don't think I made it last week. I had so many irons in the fire, but so I know we talked a little bit about the kind of the structure of how this show goes. And normally we'll start with just an introduction of you, get people kind of acquainted with who you are, and then I'll interrupt kind of along the way and, and maybe just ask some questions if that works for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So my name is Scott Riegers. Austin introduced me. I am a, I work here at Eastman's Hunting Journals. My role is everything digital media, uh, as well as a lot of our um, business development and consumer sales. Those are my responsibilities to make sure those things happen. Um, I <clears throat> dabble a little bit in the um, normal advertising space, but as as my role here in the company has has grown and changed, it's it's made more sense for me to. Uh, work on things like podcasts, you know, the the development side there um, to be involved in, in all of that. Man, podcasts are awesome. I love, I love working with them. I love working with Brian Barney um, and getting to, you know, be a part of the story that he's telling of, you know, Western hunting and helping others be better. And I, I you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy working here full time. Man, that's cool. That's a lot of things to go ask you about. So I think before I jump into all of the crazy nitty gritty fun stuff that you're doing, mm-hmm. how, how did you get to Eastman's? Cause you mentioned that kind of offline that, that it was, it was less, uh, it, it, a little, a little different, I guess. I don't know how to put it. Okay. So, so, all right. So let, let me, I'll do my best to stay between 15 and 30,000 feet on this story <laughs> uh, as, as I think that'll probably make the most sense and be the most impactful. Um, I grew up in Southwest Wyoming. Um, if, you know, if you have not grown up in an oil field town, it's kind of tough to relate, but those who grew up in a mineral based oil field town will understand that, man, it's a, it can be kind of a rough place. And so my dad moved to Rock Springs, Wyoming, which um, all his family did not want him to because of the documentaries talking about the mafia and police killing that had happened <laughs> in Rock Springs in the early 80s. He moved there in 83. And so I grew up in Rock Springs, or actually moved there in 82. I was born in 83. And dad loved it. Dad loved being a, being a, a cop there. Um, he spent 12 years in detectives uh, investigating violent crime. And then he was a sergeant on the street after that. That's where he finished his career. So my whole life, I was exposed to that law enforcement lifestyle. Um, It's actually kind of weird watching him not be in full time uh, (laughs) law enforcement now. Um, There are little things that you that you pick up on um, that you don't realize you do like dude, I scope out a room when I walk in. I I can't help it. Like, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. I, I can literally, when I walk into a room, I can probably within about a minute, I can tell you every person that's probably concealed carry Yeah, because that's just, you know, those are normal dinnertime conversations you have growing up in an environment like that. But one of the other things that, um, that kind of happened is that, my parents grew up in, you know, in South or in Northwest uh, Iowa, which is considered one of the most moral places in the country. It gets surveyed every year. I forget which magazine it is, but it's considered one of the <laughs> most moral. moral That's awesome. Yes. It, it, it's the funniest deal. Like people get done up to go to Casey's in, in Northwest <laughs> Iowa. I want to know how I, they calculate that. That's awesome. I, I don't, I have no idea how they calculate it. There's a voter poll and, you know, <laughs> I know enough to know that, of course, that's there's probably a lot of bias in the way they answer those questions. <laughs> I love it. But that said, it was a very much um, be involved in church. Grew up in the church, and so I learned a lot, um, a lot of from you know people that mentored me inside the church, and actually went to a um, private Christian university for four years. And, kept my Wyoming residency as weird as that um, that is like I never wanted never wanted to um, hold residency anywhere else other than Wyoming and so came back after I graduated from college and I started work um, as a full-time youth pastor in Gillette Wyoming I was there for three years and then I went back to my home church in Rock Springs Wyoming to work with teenagers there and I was there four and a half years and through different circumstances, um, and I had just gotten married like 18 months before Rachel and I moved here to Powell. And one of the things is we really felt like, you know, as you get older and sometimes you mature, um, 
you realize that, you know, the people that you work with and the people that you're helping, um, sometimes that changes as you change with your life. And I realized that um, college students were actually a, um, a very big passion of mine. And so we started looking into, okay, what does it look like for us to actually do that? Well, turns out that um, that doesn't pay very good. You can't just raise <laughs> a family doing that. But we had an opportunity to come here to Powell, Wyoming um, through Eastman's. And ironically, two years, three years before um, I actually, before I actually moved, I'd started doing some freelancing and just writing about hunting, writing about backpack hunting, writing about adventure. And so I'd done a whole bunch of that. I'd started doing gear reviews too. Um, I did a huge backpack gear review. I actually submitted that when I sent in my resume to Eastman's and it was cool. It, it was fun to do all of those things. But what happened was Rachel's looking in Powell, Wyoming, because we're thinking we would move in May. You know, we're like, okay, we'll end out a school year here with teenagers and finish that out. And lo and behold, this opportunity comes up in December where we see that Eastman's is hiring a digital media coordinator. And all of the skill sets are things that I had either learned in college or I had done through the freelancing world. Okay. And so I put my resume together. I hadn't updated my resume in four and a half years. You know, like it's just, I'm not the send your resume out guy. There are guys yeah. who are constantly sending their resume out. That's not me, man. Grow where, grow where you're planted for a while. You know, that speaks more about your character and your continuity and, and your ability to get things done. And so, you know, I was, I'd been there four and a half years, but knew that something needed to change. So I submitted my resume and I believe I did that on a Tuesday night. And by Wednesday morning at 6.30, I had an email from Ike Eastman <laughs> saying, hey, let's talk. Now, let me, let me also back this up. I'm a certifiable mule deer nut. Like in high school, <laughs> we watched Mike Eastman videos. Okay. We watched like all the videos. And, and oh, man, were you just like fanboying? You're like, I did it. I, I saw this. I'm like. Ike Eastman is in my inbox. What in the <laughs> world? Like this crazy change of events. And, and so we talked, we ended up talking for like an hour and a half that day. And that night um, after church, Brandon Mason gave me a call. Um, Brandon is Ike's right-hand man. He, he, when Ike's not here, Brandon's in charge. I mean, that's just kind of how the office structure works. And, you know, so Brandon and I talked for a while and we had a schedule for me to come up Um within the month to actually spend some time at the office interview, spend some time getting interviewed by a team of people and interview went well. Ike offered me the job. Um, and I took it. It was a lot sooner than we expected. Like I was expecting to move in May. We ended up moving. My first day was February 2nd of 2014. Oh, wow. So, you know, that, um, the, the onboarding process was fast. I liked it though. Um, and what's funny is my first month here, like I literally got here, got to sit down with Ike twice. Then they went to SHOT Show. Um, I think ATA was the week before, or maybe that was the year that ATA was canceled. Um, but they were literally doing show season. And then he walks into my office in March and says, Hey, uh, you want to come to Salt Lake with me? I'm like, <laughs> sure. So we were, that's back when we were doing the ISE circuit and the <laughs> And so I'm like, yeah, I'll gladly go down to Salt Lake with you. I had no idea what I was signing up for. Yeah. I got an edge. I got an education, man. It was, <laughs> it was cool because um, everybody thinks, oh, you got a dream job. You hunt for a living. No, <laughs> I, don't hunt for a living. I mean, you see this office is full of stuff and it's stuff that's related to, um, you know, the products that you build. I mean, I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but you know, it's, just because you work in the hunting industry does not mean you hunt all the time. Everyone who thinks that there's this dream that you get to go out and just go hunt all the time and somebody's going to pay you to do that. Nobody gets paid to go hunt. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a product that's associated with it. There's a real work life associated with it. If you're going to try and do that, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And that's, what's really cool is I hadn't really grown my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, I had a desire to see ministry grow and things of that nature, but the entrepreneurial spirit and learning about leadership through, um, you know, through different venues has been really cool working here. I've been here now seven years. Um, 
little over seven years. February 2nd would have been, was my seven year anniversary here at Eastman's. So being a part of that for a very long time has been awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoy getting to work for Ike and Guy, um, get to work with Brandon all the time. It's a blast. I get to work with my, I will, I will unabashedly say that Dan Picard and Brian Barney are two of the best bow hunters I have ever met. Like their success ratio. And here's the crazy part on their success ratio. Archery distance has changed over the last 20 years. You know, you used to have to 40, 50 was a long shot. Now, you know, 70, 75 is, man, those arrows and those bows can perform to get it done. Those guys don't take unethical shots. I've watched them. I've seen the footage. And, you know, um, there is Dan knows anatomy of animals better than any person. He understands if I hit the arrow behind that last back rib, it's going through all the way forward. It's going to nick both lungs and the heart. And that is the most lethal shot that I've ever gotten that I'm ever going to take. And he knows that he can slip it in there. And so getting to work with guys who know their stuff like that is pretty cool. (laughs) Um, Getting to watch them do their thing. Um, And then, being using digital media to help tell their story is awesome. Yeah, man, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to ask there. So I think the first thing I'm kind of thinking about right now is you, you talked about the ministry side, wanting to see Mm -hmm. it grow and then stepping into uh, working in the hunting industry specifically. Mm -hmm. Have you, and this might be super personal. The first question I asked right out of the gate, but have you tried to think about, uh, or have you thought about the relationship or thinking about the hunting industry as your type of ministry now? watching so it grow i've i've kind of kept them separate because one piece that i didn't really finish out telling the story is we're still doing college ministry actually oh nice um, and so um you know i'm a firm believer that as you know as a follower of christ everywhere is your ministry um the way you treat people on a consistent basis everything that that you do is a reflection of your belief system your integrity everything that that is tied back to that um if there is someone that I know that doesn't know um, that these are my standards, you know, this is what I believe in. Um, this is what I stand for. That is, that's my fault. That's on me. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I have to push something on somebody, but it, it means you hold a standard. Doesn't mean I'm a, you know, doesn't mean like, doesn't mean that I never have any fun or anything like that. Cause a lot of people equate that to um, equate that to that, but that's not the case. That's not how it works. You have a bigger impact when you have, when you have a broader spectrum of people you spend time with. Um, but we do, we do the college ministry. Um, now I use hunting all the time as a ministry tool. I will take um, college students with me. I'm a firm believer that there's a great opportunity to, <clears throat> you have an impact on people's lives by spending time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of like, I used to think the mega church idea was really cool. And it still is some guys that do a good job with that. But the simple reality is that is not who I am. Um, if <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, if I'm doing a good job doing what I'm supposed to be doing, that means I should be having an impact on 10 to 12 people on a regular basis and seeing them grow. And if I do that and they have an impact on 10 to 12, it's compound interest. You know, so that's the way that that works. And we can, you can tie that into, into working inside, you know, this, this hunting industry, like, man, I love mentoring people and seeing them grow as hunters. You know, I know there's some people are real territorial. Oh, don't mentor people because then it's more competition in the field for us. I'm like, have you seen the numbers? Like there are fewer hunters than what there were, you know, a hundred years, well, not a hundred years ago, but the number is going down. Yeah. Um, you know, be a little cynical people's math skills never never <laughs> tend to amaze me in the way that they do it overall numbers are going down now western hunting popularity is getting more is growing you know that that's definitely definitely the case i mean our applications are up incredibly high in 2021 like um like 70 some odd um or 70 some odd thousand in colorado new applications you know, to hunt, which that's fine. Fine by me. You know, a lot of people wanting to get out, they've been playing the points game for a while. So that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah. It's always fun to talk about people. And it's been a while since I've had a conversation about ministry and how people kind of collaborate or corroborate, you know, their, their passion with what they believe. So, um, so you grew up hunting. You, you said you're, mm-hmm. you're a muley, you're a muley freak. 
I guess. <laughs> Call it a muley fanatic. I fanatic. Think. Okay, that's what it is was. The, is the, the term that, that I like. So you grew up hunting, and you said that you you went to school. Did you go to school for writing and, and kind of the, the digital media side of stuff? So when I went to school, that made myself sound old, I was in college from 2002 to 2006. So I got a degree. I got two degrees, actually. I was overachiever and double majored. So I got one. Crazy um, dude. That wasn't, yeah, that's that's why I've never really wanted to pick up my master's, I think, because I burned myself out on it. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and so what I did is I got a Christian studies with an emphasis in practical theology and then communications with an emphasis in public relations. Okay. So um, luckily, I was able to sit down with both of my advisors and made a few of those classes count both directions. Most of them didn't, but a few did. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do that. Um, now, I got lucky in that, you know, I'm not a coder. Um, I am. My job is to help coders build what we need. Um, you know, there's a in they need that developers, man, a lot of developers are just not um, super social people. And so having the ability to talk to a lot of um, different, different people and work with them, um, you know, a coder is still human, you know, just because they're quote unquote from, you know, the nerd side of the world does not mean they're not human. So being able to talk to them on a human level um, and draw the best out of them, that's my, that's my job with technology. I need to understand how it works, but it is not a, you know, it's not a, necess a necessity for me personally to know how to use code, but I better be able to talk to the people who can do that. So I learned how to use a lot of, um, a lot of backends and, and social media um, things, you know, through ministry and then it applied. Like when we started here or when I started here at Eastman's um, Facebook, we had 150 some thousand. Now we're over 330 in our following. Yeah. And so but one thing, as I get older, I notice, and I've got Pat Luke on the back here. He's my partner in crime, man. I've handed it off to him because some of these younger guys, he engages them better, you know? And so that's part of it is I love training people for the future, for future growth, you know, and I love seeing him succeed. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to watch some of the stuff that he's done on our social media and the engagement, the way he asks questions, um, he's getting better responses now than, you know, I was. And so it's, it's, it's cool to watch that engagement through somebody growing that way. That's awesome. Did you have, so I imagine, you know, when you, when you start building stuff and I totally, I, I feel this, and I don't know if you feel the same, but when you build something from, I, it doesn't sound like it was necessarily from the ground up, but you helped foster a lot mm -hmm. of its growth. Did you have a hard time handing the reins off at all? You always do. Um, you know, the, you always do, but I had, I've had enough leaders, Ike Eastman included in this, who believes that your job is to train people to replace yourself. Um, if you're growing, you're going to be learning new things and developing new things. And so, yeah, it, it's hard to hand the reins off. Um, but that's, that's why, you know, Luke and I spend a lot of time together and, you know, we, we work on things together, you know, I can help him through No, and I experienced that such and such time that doesn't quite work, but tweak it like this and it will, you know? <clears throat> and so that's the, you know, that's the piece of, that's the piece of working with people that I really enjoy is seeing them grow. And then when they, when they do something that I didn't teach them that I wouldn't have thought of myself, I love seeing that. You know, that means, that means that I'm doing my job. I'm fostering a creative place for them to work. Um, I don't want someone to feel squelched per se, you know, like, oh, this is the confines of the box that I have to work in. I want them to think creatively. Now, I don't want them to go off the rails, you know, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those. That's not fun when they, when they go off the rails and do their own thing. Um, that, that requires quite a bit of course correction. Sometimes it, you can't course correct when you do that, but you know, I, I love, if I have a theme, I guess for life, it's that I love seeing other people grow and helping them grow. Okay. So I imagine I'm hoping that somebody's listening. That's like, man, you know, I'd really love to know how to, to manage people. And I work on the creative side. Do you have like a thought process that you go to? Let's say you've got a theme for somebody to maybe prevent them from going off the rails <laughs> again. How do you, how do you navigate that? I, I go as Ike what to do. <laughs> that works just, just being just being candidates it's trust your leadership your leadership trained you 
Um, and so moving upwards, one of the themes that drives me absolutely insane right now, and I don't know, you know, throw millennials under the bus of which I guess I'm kind of a millennial. I'm kind of generation Z kind of millennial. Um, but millennials really struggle with authority. Um, and they really struggle with the idea that I can't be a free spirit all the time. And embracing the idea that there is a structure and a system will allow you to grow more. And so, you know, if there's, when I'm working with people, you know, whether it's inside a church or whether it's, it's here, you know, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a structure and there's a, there's a way that things are done for a reason. Sometimes the, the way things are done need to be adjusted. Um, but a lot of times there's a reason for that. And so when I say, you know, like, if there's something that's, that's a struggle, I go to Ike, man, that's, there's a reason for that. Like he's got way more experience than I do. And so trusting your mentor, in fact, with this um, thing that I'm working on for Fieldcraft, one of the points that I'm making is get a mentor, yeah. you know, um, we're going to be doing this also at the Black Rifle Coffee um, uh, HQ. We're doing the same thing with some of their, they've got a lot of people who have just started bowhunting. So we're doing a whole course on how to use, you know, how to use Tag Hub, how to get a tag, um, preparing for your first hunt ever. Um, but part of it is get a mentor, you know, and being the ability to be mentored is something that will never serve you wrong but also the ability to pick your mentors and who you allow to speak into your life is a big deal. Yeah. I got, I got lucky. <clears throat> I had some, you know, man, in high school, I was, I was a, um, <laughs> my wife hates it when I use this word, but I was a turd man. So, you know, it's one of those, like, there were a few years where I was not, um, not a great human. And, um, there were not that I was not following the belief standards that I, you know, I, I hold dear. Um, and so I got lucky in that, you know, I had several people, my dad, uh, my youth pastor, and then the guy that I actually worked with and for in college who really corrected the ship for me. And so learning how to be mentored is huge. Um, if, if you can't be mentored, you are going to lead a very rough life. If you can't draw on others experience and say, man, there's something I could learn from that. Um, dude, you're going to find yourself on a lonely Island. So that's just the way that this thing, that this is the way that this thing called life works. Yeah. So I, it's interesting that you bring up the mentorship because that's something that I've kicked around a little bit and I've never really understood how to go find a mentor or what mm -hmm. to look at in a good mentor. So what, what does a good mentor look to you, look like to you? So I'm, I'm your prototypical male. Um, I had, you know, like there's the concept that, um, women are like spaghetti, men are like waffles. It was a Christian book. That was kind of the answer to men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But the whole, the whole premise was that the way a woman thinks everything's tied together, like a bowl or like a plate of spaghetti. And so you can, like, you can see how it all inter intertwines and then being married, man, I see it. Like my wife can start thinking about one thing and it can lead us 10 different directions, just having conversation, but she needs to have those conversations where I was, I am very compartmentalized when I am at home. I am at home. That is my home life. When I'm at work, that is my work life, mm, you know, like a waffle, like just like a waffle, <laughs> so spaghetti and waffle. I heard that. And I heard that in college and it's kind of stuck with me because it's, it's, it's true. Just kind of the way we operate. And dude, I'm completely okay with the idea of genders because they were made unique to do different things. And that is 100%. Okay. I think that's beautiful. Um, and so, you know, being very compartmentalized in my nature, I, when I look at, at mentors, you don't have to have a mentor who mentors you in every single thing and every single facet of life. You can have mentors that work on different, different places in your life. So, um, for instance, when, when I look at, when I look at my, my dad as a mentor, that guy over, um, he is one of the most calm, cool, collected individuals I have ever met. And that is from years of stepping up to beside a car, asking for a driver's license and not losing it when somebody is just a Royal pain, you know, that's just practice. Yep. Um, and so, you know, when I think about, when I think about the way that you, 
not control your emotions, but manage your emotions. Cause you have to get it out, man. Sometimes you just need a good cry. Um, I don't do it enough probably. Um, but you know, in managing your emotions, you know, and things like that, managing your temper, um, don't be quick to burn it down. I look for people who are going to help me with that. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to look for the craziest person in the room um, to mentor me <laughs> in that, you know? Um, but you know, then I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey um, and the, the Ramsey um, solutions. They're the entrepreneurial spirits that is, that is there. And so when I look at people that whose financial life I'm going to, um, to follow after it's people that follow those principles, how they did it on a day to day. This is one thing for me to listen to a podcast and read a book. It's a whole other thing to find people who are going to be with me, who are going to help lead that lifestyle. So picking a mentor in that world, you know, is fairly compartmentalized there. And then, you know, there's also mentors just in leadership in general. So I'm compartmentalizing all these things. So you can have more than one mentor, you know, and, but you know which pieces of their life that you're looking at. Um, and your mentor doesn't have to be somebody you sit next to. Right now, John Maxwell is mentoring me. I'm reading his book, Five Levels of Leadership. And so that's one of those things that a mentor doesn't have to be sitting next to you all the time. Yes, it's nice to have a few of those. It's nice to have that accountability. Don't make your mentor your best friend because um, your best friend will never um, will never help you grow the way you need to. Your best friend is meant to be your best friend. Yeah. Um, he's not meant to be your um, <clears throat> the person who challenges you. They may challenge you with good decisions that they're making, um, but a mentor is a mentor. And there's a big difference in that. Um, and then there's a respect boundary too, a lot of times. And so that's how I go about picking my mentors is I find the areas that I, I personally want to grow in. And I find the people who meet those standards and then also meet the same moral objectives. I'm not going to pick somebody who's had financial success, but has low integrity. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just, just things of that nature is how, how I'll pick it and how I'll look at it and how I'll model it. Okay. I like it. That's good to know. Cause I've definitely thought about it a little bit here and there as far as like how to identify people. And I've as particularly, <clears throat> excuse me, with the podcast, there's been a lot of stuff that it's like, okay, hey, I got to go learn how to do certain things that mm -hmm. I've never done before. And, you know, I've hit up certain people that I know are experts in some way, shape or form. So, okay. Yep. Well, before we move into maybe the writing, the blogging, the gear reviews, all of the stuff you're doing now, is there anything that you feel like you're like, man, this is super important to share that I've learned in life up until now. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it's a super open it's fun to ask because oh, i get some boy. weird tidbits every now and then where you're like I never would have thought about that think through every decision you have more time than what you realize you do like anytime i've made a knee-jerk reaction to anything i have been thoroughly disappointed with the decision that i made either a i didn't make the decision to its fullest potential or b i made completely the wrong decision and that's usually when there's emotion involved mm. That's a good one. Removing emotion. Oftentimes that'll, that'll save you a headache down the road. Yes, it will. <laughs> yes, yes, it will. Okay. So you were doing gear reviews in college, you said, right? Is that, is that when it all started? I started, <clears throat> I started doing call or reviews more around 2008, 2009. Um, and part of it was, it's just that, that seasoning, you know, um, graduated from high school in 2002. Well, I'll just, I'll just be real candid here. One of the problems you have in your twenties is that you just don't have any experience, but you don't know that you don't have any experience. Yep. And your twenties as, as a, as a general rule, your twenties are meant to be a time and place where you just grow, where you learn and you gain needed experience. Like, I think it's so crazy that we expect people at age 22 to jump out, head into the work world and know what they're going to do the rest of their life. <laughs> It's, it's like unfair. It's ridiculous unfair. Your your brain isn't even done developing by age 24 or 25. You know, so when I have these college students that aren't 100% sure what they want to do, you know, and they feel bad, I'm like, you know, you can just go work for a little while. Or dude, you just got your associate's degree. It's okay if you want to work, save up enough to pay for the rest of college. So you, number one, you don't go into debt. And then number two, if you can work in the field, you're thinking you want to working in, like, for instance, I've got one student who I encourage to go work for an electrical distributor. He wants to, he wanted to either be an electrical engineer or a journeyman, but mm. both very different things. He would interact with both in that position. And so I encourage him, dude, go apply for this job. 
Plus, I also had an ace in the hole. My brother-in-law worked for <laughs> distributor, so I knew who I was sending him to. Um, <clears throat> and so, in doing that, it was cool to watch him watch him grow. And he's figured out what he wants to do. He wants to be the engineer. He does not want to be a journeyman. He he realizes he's like, man, I want to be the guy who designs it. Yeah, I want to be the I, I want to be the one who you know, sees these plans come to fruition, not necessarily build it from the ground up. And totally. Like, okay. That's cool. So that's, you know, that's there. Now I lost my train of thought on how <laughs> we got to that point, but you know. Uh, I did too. I was like thinking about, it. I was like, man, I can relate to that because when mm -hmm. I was, you know, in my 20 or so I'm in my late twenties, I turned 20 next 29, I think next week. Yeah. And so sad. I have to think about it. But yeah, I could relate because when I came out of college, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I have an economics degree. Like, exactly. like, it's like the most, it's not useless, but it's like, how do I go apply that to the real world? Um, okay. So the writing portion of it, when you were doing yes, your gear reviews, reviews, that's where we started. We yeah. I was totally lost okay. in my train of thought thinking with you too. So, okay. So in your twenties, you don't realize that you don't have a ton of experience. Like you, you feel like you do because you have a ton of time. Um, in your twenties, you, you know, like usually before you get married, before you start having kids, you have more time than you'll ever have. Like, that's just the way that it works. College is even more, everybody thinks they're busy in college. No, you got no. way more time in college than what you, what you think you do. And you learn how to get more efficient in your twenties. And so <clears throat> I started just, I started spending a lot of time on forums. Um, and I spent time getting to know guys on the forum. I became a sponge on backpack hunting because I royally got my tail kicked on a couple hunts. Um, in particular that, you know, Southwest Wyoming has, um, as the famous region G and region H and those two places are a poor man's sheep hunt. Um, there's a reason guys get addicted to hunting there. There's a reason that that, and that Southwest Wyoming is a mule deer, crazy mule deer fanatic place okay. um it's because there's big mule deer there and the country has big adventure and right now um, backcountry hunting is it's the thing to do you know and i fell in love with it probably as it was really starting to starting to rise and grow in popularity but you know there's a there's several books I've read on, on mule deer hunting. They're like, there are no secret spots, you know, don't go into a spot thinking you're going to be the only one. I uh, mean, this year I went into a spot and, you know, I fully expected to see more than what I did just because I knew it was a fairly, it could be a fairly popular area. Yeah. But the simple reality is that you're going to have competition there. So in your twenties, you have all this time. And with this time bank, I was able to actually spend a lot of time testing gear, looking at gear and doing the things that I really wanted to do and wanted to learn about i tested backpacks i did backpack reviews i did a puffy jacket review and so like and i kind of got a learning curve learning about interacting with some of these companies um you know i had never read zig ziglar secret of closing the sale mm -hmm. or one of the best books i ever read was how to win friends and influence people it's still yeah. it's a huge huge influence you know an understanding people there's not a lot of resources out there that are just about understanding the person across the you know across the zoom meeting that you're talking to <laughs> and um and so it's something like something like that was it was a big deal learning how to interact with with those people and then starting at eastman's you know i got a i got a master's level education on how to do those things and how to do those things well um, which back to mentoring, you know, that's something Ike and Brandon did with me. They, they worked with me, they grew me, they saw potential and said, no, what, we're going to work with you on this. Um, but back to, back to the reviews, you know, it was something that I just really enjoyed. And then I started finding out over the course of time, I have specialties. Like there are some guys who are really good at writing and shooting. <clears throat> I have a working knowledge of, of shooting. I am a good shot, but I am not a shooting nerd. Uh, if that makes if <laughs> it that does. Makes sense. Yep. I totally get um, that. And so like, for instance, last year, um, I used my Ford off app, um, what's Hornet mm -hmm. put out. I, I loved it. it it's, it's great. I use it. I used it to kill the mule deer that I killed. But simple reality is that I don't nerd out over that stuff. I'll go yeah. shoot. I'll go. Sh I'm, I'm going to, in fact, I'm like my progression, you know, is I've got scouting and shooting. That is what I do for the month and a half leading up to season. I'll shoot all year long, but you know, the progression is that now I really go out. I really dial in, shoot off four or five rounds with my 300 and then call it a morning, come back to work. And so 
that's just kind of the progression there. But I discovered backpacks were my thing. I really love boots. Um, <clears throat> clothing is something I really, I really enjoy reviewing, but I am, I like to write reviews from the perspective of what is that guy that is sitting there reading? What is he actually going to use this for? What is he going to look at it? I could explain the, the, you know, how well a membrane works in a rain jacket and then give you the equation for how much, how much water does not get in versus how much vapor gets out. I could give you that equation. Sure. Um, but what does that actually mean to the human that's reading the magazine yeah. or the human that's reading the blog or watching the video review up on Eastman's YouTube channel? You know, there's very practical things. Um, functional shoulder lift on backpacks is one that I am, you know, I'm a big proponent of, you know, most um, people don't, understand what functional shoulder lift is and, and just real 30,000 foot view it's you want all the weight of a backpack to sit around the top of your hips mm -hmm. and then you want all the like the weight needs to sit somewhere like right below your shoulder blades and stop right before the small of your back if you yeah. get heavy down low it starts pulling you backwards if you get heavy down, uh, way up high it starts pulling your top back and so there's there's a right way and a wrong way to pack all the weight and sometimes you know you'll have a heavy load that you just have to deal with where it's not going to be packed wonderfully but you just deal with it but most of the time if you want to pack in and like i know there's guys that love lightweight hunting but there's some there's some reality here if you go in for a week your pack is going to be heavy you know yeah. you like i'm six foot five 235 i'm not a small dude so i eat a lot I'm going to have a heavy, I'm going to have a heavy food load, no matter what. That's the majority of where my weight added weight comes plus the water to supply all those dehydrated meals. And so, you know, just learning practical things like that to put into a review and then put those in layman's terms. I'm a big fan of the layman's terms as best I can be. Yeah. Um, I can be wordy, but I try not to be because that doesn't help anybody. You know, if, if at the end of the day, my goal is to help people become better hunters to match the Eastman's mission statement, well, then I need to, I need to speak in the words that are actually going to matter to them that are actually going to show how things work and how things, you know, are developed there. So, you know, you can see that, um, you can see how that works. You know, it's a, it's a cool way to do a review. Um, it's very practical. Um, in fact, I, you know, I know for a fact that a few of the shooting reviews that I've done, um, I've kind of gotten a little bit of flack because I'm not <laughs> in depth enough. I'm sure you're familiar with that crowd. And it's like, dude, I told you the twist rate. I told you the weight of the bullet. If you're a nerd, you know, Yeah. you know, the, I'm, I'm worried about the 95% of the guys who want to know under 500 yards. Can I kill that animal? Does it have the, does it have the, have the blunt force trauma with that bullet to hit it? You know, and that's when I look at that and, you know, like, but also it's also staying in your, staying in your lane. For instance, we've done a couple pistol reviews, you know, and I understand that, dude, I do not like, I do not have the shooting experience that guys like, like the, the like the field craft crew do. I just don't. Yeah. Um, I've shot a lot. Like I said, my dad was 35 years in law enforcement. You know? <laughs> You've been around a pistol. Yeah. I have been around a pistol. Um, but you know, like out there last year, um, you know, you, you get nervous even when you've been around people and I was around true and you know, he's adjusting some things and didn't move <laughs> my trigger high enough. So he corrected my trigger control, you know, that's okay. It's okay to learn, but it's also knowing that, you know, like if I write a review on a pistol, I don't need to be the guy like, this is how you clear a room and that sort of thing. That's <laughs> not me. It's very, it needs to be very practical on the application I'm using. So self-defense in the back country or self-defense, you know, when you're changing your tire on the side of the road and being situationally aware as why you have a pistol. So, you know, there's, there's staying in your lane on gear reviews and understanding what your strengths are and not volunteering to upsell yourself unless you are qualified for that. Okay. So let's say, I'm thinking about like, did you, did you have a hard time finding your lane so much as like, if somebody, let's say one of your, your the college guys, you know, or ladies that you're working with is listening. They're like, well, I want to try, you know, doing gear reviews. I don't know where to start. Did you have a hard time identifying like backpacks and boots and clothing is where I want to go. Look at your search history. Which, uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's, we, we tend to make things really, really complicated, but where did you spend your research? You know, your YouTube feed is another great example. Um, 
for instance, here's another weird little caveat. I love, uh, I love woodworking, not very good at it, but I love woodworking. And so I'm trying to learn how to do some epoxy work right now. Oh, nice. Two feet is full of, um, epoxy stuff, you know, but that's a great way to see what somebody's interested. There's two places I can tell you what you are interested would be on a shadow of a doubt in two places. Number one, what is social media suggesting to you? And number two, what does your checkbook say? <laughs> my checkbook would say amazon <laughs> okay so let's i'm just kidding i'm just kidding all right man i love it uh okay what else are we missing i feel like i could keep talking but i, I know that you've got a crazy busy day today and tomorrow so i'm good for a little bit longer so i don't have anything until nine so you still got me for a little bit okay so. so when it comes to writing reviews and stuff and blogs so i know i hit you up a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. about starting a blog you know it was suggested to me to, to launch one and i kicked it off not really knowing anything mm -hmm. you know i know that blogging is i feel like it's several years old now i don't know how many people necessarily do it a whole lot i've read your guys's and i love it what makes a good blog? How should somebody get started? What's a good success like rate? I mean, for launching a blog, I know nothing. So I'm a blank canvas. It's like anything else. This is no, this isn't, it's not secret. It's not rocket science. You just have to build content that is valuable to people. Solve a problem. You know, every blog that we put out, it, it had better solve a problem or it had better meet a need of the readers to keep them informed. Um, and and you know this scotch rant here that's one of the reasons nobody trusts the media right now. <laughs> it's it's not worth their time to read you know yeah that's why the podcasts are growing so so much because you know you have you have people that are taking thought processes taking things outlining them and they're showing people that look this is what's actually going on i can tie all these pieces together and and make it something that's actually valuable to them if somebody gives me you know, if somebody gives me six minutes of their time on their, on my blog um, or my post or anything of that nature, if I want them to come back, what I put up should have been valuable. Yeah. Like, so it's really easy to get into this mindset. For instance, like I, I started the Eastman's Instagram account. I shouldn't say I started it. I, there was one post on there when I got here in 2014. And so I, from the, the very beginning, I worked on that and I grew it to about 98,000. Um, okay. And so that was, that was big, but I had zero desire to do anything personal on Instagram. Zero. Like there, there was just no desire for it, but I knew that I needed to consistently be communicating with the audience, but what was valuable, and this is, this is, and this is no secret. Eastman's has told hunting stories for forever. Mike Eastman set out and said, that he wanted to make Eastman's a place that was like a campfire. When you opened up that journal, it was like sitting around a campfire. So how do I take that, like a campfire discussion and put that on social media, put that on a blog? How do, like all of that, that's what that is. That's about fulfilling the mission statement of the brand at Eastman's is making people feel like that. Um, you know, same with our forum, you know, the forum is a great place for education and I have to make sure that the stuff that the guys are posting on there is educational. <laughs> um, the meme threads that are there, they're definitely not educational, but man, they entertain. So that's another piece of what we, we talk about. We entertain. Um, now we keep trying to do our best to keep it between PG and PG 13. So a few guys have gotten warnings for that. Um, but you know, it's family, it's family friendly, family business, you know, so it has to be valuable to the audience. If you're not making something that's valuable to the audience, then what are you doing? You know, you're, you're doing it for attention and you know, it's very easy in the social media driven world to be doing things for attention. And so for instance, I, but the Instagram account I'm communicating with you, I'm doing it for fun. Yeah. And, you know, also doing it to share things that, um, that Eastman's is doing to be able to interact and engage. And so in doing that, I've, I haven't posted in like four days on like an actual post. I know some guys have to post every day. No, mm -hmm. post a quality piece. You know, you can share stories and things like that. If you just got something that you need to put up there, dude, stories disappear in 24 hours, you know? But you're sharing something there. You're, you know, don't feel pressure to feel like you have to put something out right then. Do quality. Now you want people to be able to binge and see your stuff. You know that's why we have so many episodes of Eastman's Elevated. We want people to have that content. We want them to be able to look at it and grow. We want to make sure that there are new blogs on a regular basis so people can come. They can spend that time there because if you're valuable to people, they'll keep coming back.
Okay. Do you have like exercises that you go through? Um, maybe let's say you write a piece or you're, you're about to post something before you hit post or whatever, right? Do you look at it and say, what value does this provide? Yes, I, I do that. I, I will sit on, you know, it's the beauty of working for Eastman's is there's 30 years of experience. Mm -hmm. So there's a training module that we've got on what is valuable, what isn't, you know, okay. um, you know, like if, and we we're well-oiled machine, man, we, we talk about everything. We, we meet about all of our content. We, we do all that. We have that discussion as a group. Is this valuable? Um, you know, that's, that's no secret. Good teamwork, man. That's, you know, this is not a feeling like you need to reinvent the wheel to come up with something good, hold yourself accountable, set yourself up to be accountable to the team. When I send my first draft over to, um, Todd edits everything here. He is like, if you've got a story to submit to the journals, Todd is your dude. If you have, um, if you have something that is going to end up like on tag hub, now we are, we're sharing stories. There's some stories we get that just, we don't have enough pictures for the magazine. We don't, or the pictures aren't high enough resolution, but guess what? They work fantastic on a mobile phone. So now as part of a membership to tag hub, you can read those stories. And so looking at it from there is that's still valuable to somebody. They're still getting published by Eastman's. Now it's a digital format and I love the nostalgia of the magazines, why the magazines will never go away. And we can mm -hmm. continue to grow even in a, in a less than print friendly world is that, it's about the nostalgia of being involved with that. And so we've, you know, we always look at it as to what is valuable. Would I want to read this? You know, is this something that to the people that I want to communicate with, is this something that they will walk away from and thoroughly enjoy? I like that. I'm going to have to keep that in mind thoroughly and read it, get something back from it thoroughly enjoy because as I started writing, it's like, Hey, I'll go throw something on paper. Right. And it's like, Sure, this is great. It gets something out there, but I mean, what what does it really provide somebody? So exactly. Okay, so hunting season's like next month or two weeks away. I think early mm -hmm. season because we've got some guy. I've got one buddy who's got his deer tag. Yep. What what advice do you have for early season scouting? Anything that people need to get into it? Um, sorry, I saw a notification come up. So. Got a buddy that's got his tag coming up. I'm a new hunter. I don't know if you knew mm -hmm. that. Last year was the first time I had gone and since I was like 10. I went with my uncle, and I was like the sniveling 10-year-old that like didn't even want to be outside. It was really funny. And last year, I <laughs> sweet-talked. It's so funny because like growing up, I was like – I was a nerd. I, I would much rather be playing video games than be outside. And I remember like my uncle was – he's a big bow hunter, and we were out elk hunting. And I'm pretty sure one ran by us. And he would always get mad at me because he'd be like, <laughs> like sniffling my nose. And he's like, dude, knock it off. So I sweet talked my buddies into it last year for the first time. And I'm, I'm addicted to it now, which is super exciting because I get to talk to guys like you that I can learn a whole heck of a lot from. So, so what are things, what is maybe one piece of advice? You know, I saw that you'd posted something that I screenshot and I told you that it was like uh, scout for all of your herds because your bulls are going to be out in the back country hiding. What, what are maybe a couple oddball things that people don't think about? Oh boy. Um, focus intensity. So for instance, um, I'll use this as a, it's kind of an example. This is no secret, but it's worth repeating. I am a certifiable mule deer nut. Like mule deer is what I want to hunt. It's what I, what I build my strategy around. Um, several years ago, I actually went to Ike and I said, Ike, I want to kill big mule deer and I want to do it consistently. And I had, <clears throat> you know, poor me three out of five years, I'd drawn a really good elk tag. Um, but I've killed a lot of elk. Um, not all giants. Okay. Full, full disclosure, I, but I've killed a lot of elk in a general area in Wyoming and a lot of bulls at that matter. Um, and they don't motivate me the way that a big mule deer does. And so Ike and I had this conversation where I said, I, I kind of want to focus my, my structure around mule deer. Like I, if I shoot for a, an elk tag, I shoot for low odds and like low odds late season that are not going to compete with my high country mule deer hunt. I'm 37. And so in being 37, I know that at best I've got till I'm 60 in the high country. If mm -hmm. I'm banking points, I can go do some of these easier elk hunts and I can kill bigger elk. Um, in that way. And so that's kind of what my strategy is like. Um, 
we got a four state strategy, but that's a whole other, topic. <laughs> you know, that's a whole, if we want to have a whole discussion on tag up sometime, I'll tell you all about that. Okay. But in getting, that doesn't have to be on the record. I'll just teach you how to use tag up. Uh, but, <laughs> so when, um, when I look at it, I want to, I want to have the focus intensity on mule deer. So I have structured my entire fall plan around chasing big mule deer. And it starts with number one, my home state of Wyoming. I know where there are big deer in region G and H and I can consistently go find them, but I have to dedicate the scouting time. Okay. Um, like, but now like when I lived in um, Southwest mm -hmm. Wyoming, I could go up starting in July and I could start patterning the deer and you can start scouting too early. Like a lot of guys just like to be up there and that's fine. You know, go watch the deer, have fun, you know, but going in on 15 scouting missions for a day and a half at a time, um, is not nearly as effective as <clears throat> picking your area that you're going to go into, uh, especially if you've been in there before and know that it's bucky and pick your area, go in and, and glass for a week. Like that's just, it, it's highly effective. Um, and then the other thing is you don't rag up the miles on your vehicle. You've done one trip because I'm five and a half hours away now. So it makes way more sense for me to just do one major scouting trip versus you know, seven to 10 small ones. Um, and then the other thing is if I go in seven to 10 times, there's a very real chance that I'm bumping animals seven to 10 times. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I don't want to be bumping, bumping mule deer. I'll, I'll pick the same trail. I'll stay on the same trail. I will disturb the same areas and do not go like, I know people love trail cams and, and things of that nature. Problem with trail cams is that if you put them into a buck's home area, you've now you've now let him know that he needs to be on edge. And so, you know, I have nothing morally against trail cams. I'd say don't run them during season. You know, if we're going to have, if we're going to have laws on them, like, okay, they need to be out by August 15th. You know, that's just, <laughs> yeah. that's just, like, there's a, there's a, 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 a moral and ethics piece. I, I feel like there, but I don't care if you want to run trail cameras the rest of the year. Um, just uh you know just don't put them right on the trail so you can watch all the people coming in that's kind of creepy and weird too. <laughs> um, but <laughs> to me it's go spend your time scouting highly effective scouting produces a highly effective hunt and then <clears throat> there's i'll go in on opening day um, but i know that if i haven't scouted it's better off for me to go in september 20th um, because the reality is, is that the deer are learning new patterns. And so I've just got to go to the places where they're going to be after opening day. There's, there's going to be people, you are going to have competition. Anyone who believes that they can find a honey hole and there won't be some form or fashion of competition is lying to themselves. That's just the way this works anymore. You yeah. will have competition and you will have to, you will have to expect that in the back country. And so not only are you outwitting the deer, you are also outwitting um, the other people who are hunting there, which is fine, you know, um, and, and they're going to outwit you. I had a, uh, I had a, he's actually a good friend of mine. Now I had a deer that I had scouted in 2012. I ended up being 191 and six eights on the Boone and Crockett scale. Big deer, like big, typical deer. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest typical I've ever chased after. And he, um, this guy ended up in the exact same ridge, a hundred yards, his, his tent. We ended up becoming good friends with him. Um, and he's just up there hunting, you know, like, and he knew we had found a big deer and my buddy Travis and I were looking, we're looking, we're looking. And we have finally, we got to a different point that gave us a different angle. I honestly believe that I would have found that buck that same night that Trevor killed him. If, you know, if we just stayed there, yeah. you know, but, Trevor killed him a little earlier that evening, you know, and he, like we had given him a radio to use and he said, Hey, I killed a buck. He's like, it's a pretty big one. It might be the one that you were looking at. Like, yeah. Good for you, man. You, know, you can't, you can't get upset. You can't lose friendships. You can't do things like that over that because Trevor ended up becoming a good friend. I'd never met the dude until we met on that ridge line. And so to this day, he and I still, every hunting season, we send each other pictures. We, we talk about the deer we're looking at and things like that. And so, you know, people are more valuable than any deer in my world. Um, now, you know, don't, you don't have to get all giddy when you see somebody in there like, Oh, look, there's a big deer in here. Please don't go up there. You know, just understand there's, there will be competition and you just have to be a seasoned veteran and outpatience them. That's funny that you meet somebody and you become good friends out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. 
my my wife makes fun of me because she's like you will go anywhere and just start talking with any random person and all of a sudden she's like are you taking them to dinner or what so it's funny (laughs) that i'm not the only person that like chats with people (laughs) like maybe maybe some people might steer away from so Mm -hmm. um awesome man well it's getting work o'clock time for me i've got to head out of town but okay um is there anything that we missed i mean this was a lot of fun i think so i'm looking forward to actually sitting down and chatting later this week well i hope you all enjoyed scott's story i know that i enjoyed talking to him and unfortunately like i said work o'clock hit uh during the time we were recording and i had to take off uh into the office but i feel like had i had the time i I could have sat there all day and listen to him talk and learn from him. Um, that being said, I hope you all did learn something, uh, feel encouraged and motivated in some way to uh, to get after something you love. Um, I would encourage you to take a minute to hop on Eastman's website too to see, uh, check out their blog, merch, their journal. Um, I recently got a subscription to Tag Hub that I still need to spend some more time cruising through and seeing what I can't learn and glean from that in, in the areas that uh, uh, my buddy and I plan on hunting this year. But uh, beyond that, Um, Feel free to hit me up on the Instagrams, uh, send me an email, whatever the case may be. I would love to keep in contact with you all. Um, But beyond that, you guys have a great day and we'll catch you on Friday.